Hello, this is Tim Convoy, the pastor of New Life Community Church located in Nashville, Indiana. I'd like to thank you for visiting our podcast, and I trust that God will just bless you and encourage you and speak to your heart as you listen to this message. Thank you again for joining us, and God bless you. Okay, good morning. Oh, now I'm gone. Man, you're looking chipper today. Whatever that means, you're looking that. Good to have you here as we celebrate today the resurrection, the empty tomb of Christ. Amen? Amen. Amen. Yes, hallelujah. We're going to be doing a little different. We'll break it up. It's actually, the message is broke up in two portions, and so... I don't want you to feel gypped if you go, what? He only went 30 minutes. There's more to come. You see, I am reminded that the gospel really is two portions. There's the fact that Christ died to remove our sin, but he rose to remove our doubt. You see, you have to have both of them. You cannot just, Christ could not simply have died and that have been it, or Christ could not have just lived his life out until he died and then rose from the dead if he never paid for our sin. You have to have both parts of that. And so today, I will be coming at this from both directions, and uh, we'll have a time of communion and reflection after the first portion. My encouragement to you is today, if you are here and you have not been born again. Jesus said, unless a man is born again, or woman is born a second time, they shall not participate or even see the kingdom of God. So I want you to know that God loves you so much. This is what this is all about today. His love for you. And I want you to be able to say, you know what? He can't love me. If he knew me through and through, he knows you through and through. He knew me through and through, and he loved me anyways. I always say he knew me before he ever made me, and he made me anyways. I'm not so sure I'd have done that. But I want you to know, if you're here and you haven't been saved yet, this is a great day to get saved. Great day. This is the day of salvation. If you're here and you have been saved, I want to encourage you to reflect on the goodness of God, his substitutionary sacrifice with his son, and just... Just praise him that the tomb is empty. Amen? Oh, yeah, you can praise him for it. Amen. You see, the Scripture says, and it's not our text because we're working through Romans, so I'll be there. The Scripture says, 1 Corinthians 15, verses 14 and 19, And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty, and your faith is also empty. In other words, I'm wasting my time and you're wasting your time. If, if Christ is not risen, the preach is empty, your faith is empty, but praise God, He is risen and the tomb is empty. Amen? Yes, and we are found fake or false witnesses of God because we testified of God that He raised up Christ whom He did not raise if in fact the dead do not rise. For if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile, and you and I are still in our sins. Amen. Then also, those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished if Christ did not rise. If in this life only we have hope, we are of all men most miserable. Praise the Lord that Christ is risen. Amen? <laughs> 
Praise the Lord that our preaching is not in vain. Praise the Lord that our faith is not in vain. Praise the Lord our sins have been removed. Amen? And praise the Lord that our loved ones in Christ are still alive in his presence today. Amen? Amen. I know many of you are celebrating my pinkness today. You remember, my dad always wore this tie on Easter Sunday. So I always wear it in his memory. Yes, and he, had, he said, you have to wear a pink shirt with it. And his birthday being yesterday, and it just, uh, I praise the Lord, he is alive in Christ. Listen, if you're in Christ, you're alive forevermore. Amen? If you're in Christ, in Christ, in Christ. oh my goodness, that's, don't get me going, that's not my message. All right, Romans chapter 4, chapter, that chapter 4, verse 22, before we continue, Father, I just ask you will hide me behind the cross. Lord, you know, you know, you know, you know, you know. And I rest in the fact that you know and I don't have to say anything about it. Today, this is not about new life. It's not about issues. It's not about Tim. This day is about your son, Jesus Christ, our Savior, who rose from the dead. And it's all about him, and I want us to make it all about him today. Bless us, anoint me, fill me, hide me behind the cross. And Father, add to the message anything that belongs. Take from it anything that does not. And may your son be lifted in our midst, because if Christ be lifted up, you will draw all men to yourself. But only if Christ is lifted. So, Father, my prayer all week is that you would be saving souls this week. I pray for a dozen to be saved today. If there's even one here today that has not yet been saved or watching over the Internet, today would be the day of their salvation. Move in our midst and anoint us, we ask, in Jesus' name. We all say, Amen. 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 We've been working through Romans. We saw that by faith... Abraham had righteousness imputed to him. And in Romans 4, verse 22, I realized that we didn't go over the verses prior to that. We'll get back to that. Don't worry. But in verse 22, it says, And therefore it was accounted to him, Abraham, for righteousness. What? His faith was counted for righteousness. And it says, Now it was not written for his sake alone, but that it was imputed to him, but also for us. So he said, his faith was counted for righteous. It was written so you know that your faith is counted for righteousness. It's written for us. It shall be imputed to us. What? God's righteousness. Who believe in him who raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead. Who was delivered up because of our offenses and raised because of our justification. It's both in there, aren't they? Both components are in there. You know, when I come to this text, I ask the question, who delivered Jesus up? It said that Jesus was delivered up. And if I were to go into the street and I would have just, you know, take Mr. Microphone with me and I would just ask people, don't, don't you love people when you ask them, you know, who's the president? Or like, 
Who's the Secretary of State? Oh, is it Beyonce? Is it, uh... If I went to the streets and I said, and I asked, and I, I said, okay, who delivered up Jesus? By the way, the word delivered up, I know you want to know what it is. It's paradidomai, paradidomai, two didomais. P-A-R-A-D-I-D-O-M-I, paradidomai. It means this, to give into the hands and power to another. To give into the hands and the power of another. And so the question is, okay, who delivered him up? He was delivered up by whom? And what were the motives? So I'm out in the street and I said, hey, who delivered up Jesus and what were their motives? And they, the average person would probably think, well, I would guess all the sinful people at his time. All the people that heard his message that didn't like his message. You know, those tax collectors. They were extortionists, pulling the money out of the people. You know, all those, those liars and the cheats. Don't you hate it when you're cheated out of something? It must have been all those people that were living immoral of his day, and, uh, the adulterers and the prostitutes. It must have been the people that, that had their own addictions and, and their, the alcoholics and the addicts and, that didn't like the message. They probably were the ones, the anti-Christ people. They didn't like Jesus, and so they said, we don't need anyone to tell us how to live. I, I would think they would say, they were those sinful people at his time. And I said, well, wait a minute, before you place blame, you also need to add the motive. Can you establish a motive? Why would they do that? The motive, they would say, is, well, the light exposes their sin, and they don't like to be exposed. And so they say, there's the motive. And I could see this crowd, and I'm sure they were there, even walking around Pilate's court, walking around with their placards and their hate God signs. I could see them walking around, shaking their fist at God. We don't like his message. We don't like him here. So I look at this crowd, and I say, Who delivered him up? Was it the sinful people of his day? There were sinful people of his day. You realize that, right? There were people that did not like the message. They had motives. But were they the ones that delivered him up? The answer is no. So you say, okay, well, if it wasn't him, or it wasn't the crowd, rather, if it wasn't a sinful crowd, uh, how about Pilate? You remember Pilate? You ever heard of Pilate before? Yes, I've heard of Pilate before. And matter of fact, uh, he was the Roman governor. And when you think of Pilate uh, being the Roman governor, he was fed up. He was fed up with the Jews. He was fed up with their trouble. He was fed up with their insurrection. What would motive would he have to get rid of Jesus? I, I would call the motive political expedience. It's politically expedient simply to crucify Jesus and the problem goes away. And, and Pilate doesn't have to deal. He says, okay, if he's a problem, we'll just deal with we'll crucify him. Was that the motive in his heart? Did Pilate deliver Jesus up? Now the scripture says in Luke chapter 23 verse 25, Pilate delivered Jesus to their will. So it does say Pilate delivered. Pilate had the control to do it, and he had the power to do it. He was a governor, and he delivered Jesus to the will of the Pharisees. His motive certainly could be established for political expedience. But was that his heart? Was his heart political expedience? The answer is no. 
You see, Pilate had every other motive. He did everything he could to release Jesus. He tried Jesus, and three times he said, I find no fault in him. And he brings it out, he goes, hey, I found no fault in him. And they said, oh, it's definitely there. And they go back and they try him again. And he comes back out, he says, I find no fault. Three times, a number of emphasis, no fault. Pilate's motive of his heart was not political expedience. And matter of fact, his wife sends a messenger out to him and whispers in his ear and says, Your wife said, Have nothing to do with this just man, for I have been tormented over many things in my dream this morning. And if anybody wants to have a motive for not to do something, man, when your wife tells you it's probably not a good idea, it's probably not a good idea. Us guys can learn from that, huh? Like, huh, boy, she's not even a believer and she was right on this one, right? Don't have anything to do with it. As a matter of fact, he was so motivated to let him go, he even tried to appeal to the Jews' custom. The Jews' custom at Passover was to take one of the prisoners and to, to bring him out and show mercy to that prisoner and to release that prisoner. And so now Jesus is standing with Three other prisoners, there's four of them. And he says, you know what? I know how I can get out of this. I will just present Barabbas. Barabbas, what a name. Bar, son of. Abbas, son of the father. Whose father? When I see Pilate's motives, and I see Pilate's actions, did Pilate deliver up Jesus for political expedience? Get rid of Jesus and the problem and the crowds will all go away. The answer is no. It wasn't the sinful people at the time. It wasn't even the Roman governor, the one in authority at the time, though he delivered him up to their will. Then we sit back and, and, and if I were interviewing a person on the street, I'd say, no, it wasn't this one and no, it wasn't that one. And they, they would say, oh, that's right. He delivered them up to their will, so that's it. It must have been the what I call the religious mafia of the day. He delivered them up to the religious mafia, the, the hypocrites, the scribes, the Pharisees, uh, the, those are the priests that knew the Word of God. They could quote the Word of God. Uh, when, when the wise men showed up and they said, where's the Savior to be born? And they said... Micah says right here, in Bethlehem of Judea. They could quote the scripture, but they couldn't be bothered to walk three miles to see if the Savior was here. The religious mafia that knew the word of God, did they have a motive? <laughs> oh, yeah, they had a motive. They were happy with their religion. They were happy just going through religious motions. They were happy to have their religion, and they were threatened by the Savior. Jesus threatened their political clout. Uh, if this happens, we will lose our political clout. We will lose our religious power, and, and we need to get rid of Jesus. They're the ones that already did a false trial. They're the ones that now brought Jesus to Pilate, and they have been starting this from the beginning. They are truly, let me tell you, you know I call them the religious mafia? Because all they do is just pay everybody off to get their stuff done. We need someone to betray, betray Jesus. Judas, how much you need? Wow, only 30 pieces of silver? Deal. They paid off Judas to betray Jesus. And then they paid off false witnesses. Listen, if you witness in a criminal trial, 
and you are found to be false, and that the penalty for that person would have been death, guess who gets put to death? Now, are you willing to jump up and be a false witness? You better pay me pretty good. Because if, if, if I perjure myself, then guess what? I'm the one in his place. They paid off uh, Judas to betray him. They paid off the false witnesses to lie about him uh, during the trial. And then they paid off the Roman guards at the tomb. They paid them off and said, listen, if anyone says what happened, you tell them that his disciples snuck in by night. You mean those fishermen? Yeah. And they snuck in and they beat up you Roman guards that have been trained in military combat and hand-to-hand combat and with your swords, you tell them they came in and they stole the body of Jesus out of the tomb. Now, if you're a Roman guard and you lost your prisoner, which you would think would be kind of tough if he was dead, but if you're a Roman guard and you lost the prisoner you were to guard, you know what the penalty that was under Roman law? You were put to death. Now, if you were the guard who's about to be put to death, and you're, and the, the priests and the Pharisees and scribes were asking you to lie about it, and say, no, the reason the tomb is empty is not because uh, Jesus left, it's not because an angel rolled a stone back and said, hey, look for yourself. They couldn't look because they fainted like dead men. Remember that? Remember that? Oh, yeah, the Roman soldiers are, oh. And the ladies were like, oh, what's that about? And they see the angel, and guess what? They stayed standing. They didn't have to fear. The others had to fear. But let me tell you, you're going to have to pay me pretty good. The Bible says that they paid them to lie about it. Were they the religious mafia? Oh, yeah, they were. They were vile. They were wicked as they come, wrapped in the cloak of religion, and they had every motive, every reason to have him crucified. But were they the ones that delivered him up? No. You see, if the sinful people, the anti-Christ people, their motive would have been that they hated his message. If it was Pilate, his motive would have been political expedience. If it was the religious mafia of the day, their motive would have been job security and power control. But none of these motives were stated as the motive for which Jesus was delivered up. You see, Romans 4.25, let all be reminded. It says, who was delivered up to release into the hands and the power of another? Who was delivered up because of our, what? Offenses. That was the reason. That was the motive by which, for which he was delivered. So who delivered him up? Romans 8, verse 32. Romans 8, 32 tells us this. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. I love the rest of it. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? But think it. The scripture says, he who did not spare his son, but delivered him up. So who was the one that delivered him up? The answer to that question is the father delivered him up. The father gave him up. What was the motives? Why would God do that? He said the motives and reasoning behind was because of our offenses, not his offenses, our offenses, plural, our sins, plural. But I'm here to submit to you that God was not motivated by hate. 
like all the others' motivations were. God was not motivated by anti-people sentiments. God turned him over to the hands and the power of others because he was motivated by love. For God so loved you and I that he gave his only begotten son. And the father delivered Jesus up for our sin, their sin, the people of their day. And the scripture says, Isaiah 53, verse 5, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised, word means to crush, as in like crushing grape until this. He was crushed for our iniquity. Iniquity, sins on the inside. Transgression, sins that you just keep doing and doing and doing. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, his whippings, we are healed. We who deserve the beating did not get the beating. Jesus, who did not deserve the beating, got the beating. Who delivered him up for the beating? Pilate? No. The sinful crowd? No. The religious mafia? No. Who delivered him up for that beating, that crushing? His father. Who said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Isaiah 53, 6, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord had laid on him the iniquities of most of us. No, of us all. All of your sin, all of my sin was laid on his son. And Isaiah 53.10 says, Yet it pleased the Lord, the Father, to crush him, to bruise him. He, the Father, has put him, the Son, to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed and shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. The pleasure of the Lord How could the father ever be pleased to crush his son because the father loved you and I so much that he wanted to deliver us from our sin and the only way he could do that is that someone without sin comes and dies in our place to pay for our sin. So it pleased the father to crush him. Verse 11, Isaiah 53, he shall see the travail of his soul and he shall be satisfied. He shall be propitiated, satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many. For he shall bear their iniquities. As we think of the first half of this great celebration today, I want us to be reminded that it was the Father's great, great love for you and I that delivered Para diromai, into the hands, into the power of another, his only son. Because of your sin and my sin, he delivered his son. And if you're here today and you've accepted his son as your savior, I want you to praise God for that. I want you to praise God Jesus was your substitute. You see, in a moment, we're going to watch a video script. And this video script is going to talk about Barabbas. During the video script, I'm going to have the ushers come and hand out 
communion. If you're saved, I want you to just take that and know that by his broken body, by his stripes, by his beatings, I am healed. By his shed blood, I am forgiven. Praise you for that, Lord. I am forever forgiven. Hallelujah. And imputed righteousness to you. To you. By faith. Praise God for that. If you're here and you're not saved yet, I want you to know that Christ died for your sin. Matter of fact, you can get saved before the elements ever get to you. I gave an invitation one time and a guy came forward. I knew I've been praying for this guy a long time. He came forward. And when he came forward, I said, John, I said, did you come up to get saved? He goes, I think I just did. I go, you did? He goes, yeah, I was just sitting there and I prayed and asked Christ, come in my heart and save me. And I said, he, could, he, he said this, he said, can you do that? I said, yeah, you could do that. I said, did you do that? He goes, I did. I said, then God said, whosoever calls the name of the Lord shall be saved. Amen? Amen. The God that does not lie said that. You could be saved right there where you're at. Simply asking Christ to come in your heart. Say, I know I'm a sinner. I ask you to save me. I believe he died as my substitute. As we listen to this video, it's a video script. The writing will be there by Judas Smith. Judas Smith is a powerful. I mean, when you get something this powerful, God's anointed it and used it. Some of you may have seen it before, but I just want you to absorb it. When the elements go through, I want you to praise God for it. You can partake of the elements whenever you are personally ready. But I want you to just think of this as we think of who delivered up Jesus and why did he do it. We run that. We see the story of Jesus going to the cross and everything seems to kind of be hand in hand. And then there's this one character that seems to interrupt the narrative. His name's Barabbas. We don't even know much about him except that he's a murderer, a leader of an insurrection, a rebel. And why he's even mentioned, sometimes I'm not so sure. It's like, what? Let's, this is about Jesus going to the cross. So in this moment, Pilate thinks, I hold the destinies of these two men in my hand. I know the Jews have a tradition that on a holy day, I will release one of the prisoners on death row. Pilate stands on this audacious stage who now presents Jesus, son of the living God, versus Barabbas, the thug and rebel. He says, all right, who do you want? This is blasphemy. This is, this has gone too far. There's no comparison. This is a rightful prisoner. A man who should be on death row. He's a rebel against Rome. He leads a rebellion. He murders people. He's a bad man. He's a thug and he's a crook. He deserves the chains and he deserves the crucifixion. Jesus? What has he done but heal, restore, deliver, set free? Open blind eyes, open deaf ears, heal the lame and the leper. What, what has Jesus done? Who do you want? We, we want Barabbas. Yeah. Give us Barabbas. They give us Barabbas. The Roman soldiers come up and they put the key in and they unlock Barabbas from his chains and shackles. And he walks down the platform 
Welcomed by all of his thug friends. Yeah, the people love me. Yeah, that's right. I don't even know who this Jesus guy is, but all I know is my people love me. There seems to be no conscience in Barabbas. There's no record of him turning to Jesus and saying, I owe you everything now, for you have set me free. No, I don't see any of that in Barabbas. And God knew that. Jesus stood there, silent, for he knew the will of the Father. He said, it's fine, Father. Let him have Barabbas. For Jesus knew that the Father would have to treat Jesus like Barabbas so he could treat Barabbas like Jesus. Barabbas thought it was the people that set him free. No, 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 no. It was the love of a heavenly father. When I look at the story, I realize who Barabbas really is. That's me. That's you. That's us. And I thought I was reading this the other day, and I felt God speak to me. I love Barabbas. I love him. God, he's a bad man. I love him. And I wanted him to go free. But didn't you know that he probably would have never acknowledged the freak? Yeah, but I love Barabbas. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God sent his son for Barabbas. Even the one he knew would walk away from Jesus and his free gift and never come back. He loves them. And the nerve, the call, the audacity of believers to think, I got saved by grace, but now that I'm in this deep, dark place of bondage, I'm going to work hard to get myself out. What? That's the opposite of the gospel. Are you bound? Are you held under the power of this temptation, this sin? Do you feel like it's controlling you? What are you going to do? I'm going to shake myself free. Stop it! No, you won't! You're no match for the powers of hell and the urges of sin will not overcome it and you will never overcome it. You'll just be another statistic. There's no answer within yourself. Your own marriage, your own goodness, your own discipline, your own devotion will not save your marriage and will not save your kids. There's only one. And he's the one that took your place. He's the one that stood silently on the platform with Pilate and said, yes, let him have Barabbas. Take me. How many times have I stood on that platform with Pilate and Jesus and I'm the Barabbas and they start to take my chains off and I say, no, no, I deserve this. I deserve the guilt. I deserve the shame. I deserve the consequence. I deserve it. Jesus seems to look at me, say, no, son, let me have it. Let me have your sin. Let me have your pain. No, God, I did it to myself. I deserve it. My marriage won't make it. This is what I deserve. I deserve divorce. I deserve poverty. I deserve sickness. I deserve it all. No! God, I say, I'm so ashamed. Give me your shame. 
But God, what if I do it again? I'll still be here. Oh God, I don't want to hurt you. I love you. I, I don't want to do this anymore. Give me your sins, son. This is all we got. It's all I got. It's all you got. We can play games. We can play church games. We can pretend like some people are better than others and that's why they're blessed. Or we can all come to the honest conclusion that it's God. And it's God alone. The greatest challenge is not your discipline, your devotion, your focus. Your greatest challenge is believing the gospel. Could it be that there's a God with a love so scandalous, so wide, so deep, so vast, so high, so expansive, so welcoming, so inclusive? Let me have your sin, son. Okay. And I give him my sin. I stand in this empty space of forgiveness and acceptance while Jesus walks off to the cross that I deserve. I see him, I see him walking to the post to be whipped. As I stand a free man, all the attention is turned now. And I feel the love of God saying, Go, son, live your life. I'll pay the price. Where did we get off thinking that we were going to set ourselves free? It's still Jesus. It'll always be Jesus. It'll never stop being the power of Jesus. If His blood is sufficient for your salvation, His blood is sufficient to sustain you through every challenge and every sin and every temptation. Jesus is enough. empty. Christ is risen. Amen. Risen indeed. As we think of the fact that Christ died to remove our sin and we hear the report that the tomb is empty, we celebrate. We say, praise God. The tomb's empty and, and, and Christ rose from the dead. But you see, when we look at this, in Romans 4, verse 25, where it said, He was delivered up because of our offenses. We're reminded that, that we were Barabbas. He was our substitute. He went to pay our sin's debt. But then it says, But He was raised up for our justification. You see, the question is, not simply, why did Jesus die, but why did Jesus rise? You see, the scripture says in Isaiah 53, as we read a moment ago, verse 11, it said that he shall see the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. When was he satisfied? When he looked on Jesus and saw the travail of his soul when sin was placed on him. And friends, I'm here to tell you that from noon until 3 p.m. that afternoon, all the midday became like midnight. All of our sin was put on Jesus. 
all of our sin, all of our sinful, wicked thoughts, all of our vile actions, all, all the wickedness and immorality, but also all our diseases were placed on Jesus. The Bible says all of our cancer, all of our lung disease, all of our heart disease, all of our arthritis, all of the issues that plague these bodies, all of this disease was put on Jesus on that cross. And I can only imagine the contortions and, and just the, the grossness of that moment. So, so contorted that God put darkness over the land in the middle of the day. As I said, as midday became midnight. Isn't it amazing? When he came to earth, <coughs> excuse me, when he came here and the angels announced his birth, midnight became like midday. Jesus is here. Midnight became like midday. And now for our sins, midday becomes like midnight. As he bore our sin on that cross. But the Bible says that he saw the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. And he goes on to say, and by his knowledge shall my righteous servant, the one who is as pure as God himself, shall my righteous servant justify many for he shall bear their iniquities. You see, the question now is, why did Jesus, why was he raised from the dead? After all, it was on the cross. Have you ever stopped for a minute and think about that? It was on the cross when he took all of our sin, hanging there for those three hours or six hours total, three when it was all placed upon him. It was on the cross where the first time in all eternity, Jesus does not refer to the Father as Father. And the first time the Father turns His back and forsakes His Son. Forsake means to turn your back on one. And He cried out, My God, my God, not my Father, my Father, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why have you turned your back on me? You see... We're reminded, the scripture says, that he'll never leave us or forsake us. Amen? He'll never turn his back on us. Because he turned his back on his son. To whom all of our sin was placed on. And there, hanging on the cross, as after he was there crying out to the Father, and Lama, 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 Sabachthani. And, you know, he says, Eli, Eli, Lama, Sabachthani, Father, Father. In your hands I commend my spirit. And he says, for it is finished. Amen? On the cross, he said, it's finished. On the cross, he said, it's finished. To tell us die, paid in full. On the cross, he said, it's finished. Not when he got off the cross. On the cross, he said, it's paid in full. All of our sin on the cross was paid in full. Amen? But yet he was put into the tomb. And we say, if it was finished on the cross, then why did he just come off the cross? Could he have done that? Oh yeah, he could have done that. He could have, he could have just popped those nails right out. He could have called 12 legions of angels and said, take care of this mess. He could have just come off that. Once he said it was finished, he could have right there said, it's finished. But Scripture tells us, Hebrews 9 and verse 12, in Hebrews 9 verse 12, that after he gave up his ghost, this Holy Spirit, after he died, he says, not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood, 
He entered into the most holy place. Not the temple in Jerusalem, but the most holy place in glory. He entered into the most holy place once for all. Once for, how many times? Once, once, for how many? For all, for all what? For all sin, for all man, for every offense. He did it once for all. He entered into the most holy place. He goes into the holy of holies with his own blood. And he obtained eternal redemption. Amen? Hallelujah. He said, there's no eternal security in the Bible. No, it's called eternal redemption. Hallelujah. He died on the cross. It is finished on the cross. He went in the grave. And from the grave, he went into the presence of the Most High God. He went into the Holy of Holies. And he put his blood on the mercy seat. The seat of propitiation. So therefore, the debt was paid. The blood was applied. The Father, the Bible says, the Father shall see the travail of his soul and shall be, what? Satisfied. I'm satisfied. Sin has been condemned. Sin has been penalized. Sin has, sin has been punished in you, my son. All, how much? All of the sin has been punished in you. All, for how many people? All the people have been punished for you. And you came in and you put your blood on the mercy seat. And now I could show mercy to others. And it's by my righteous servant. Now I can justify many. How many? As many as have put their faith in Jesus Christ. That's how many. Amen? That's a lot of many's. You see, friends, when I think of the fact that Jesus died, the sin debt was paid on the cross. It is finished. He paid it. He died. It was paid. He went into the Holy of Holies with His own blood and sprinkled it on the mercy seat. And the Father said, finally, my heart is satisfied. My holy, unflexible, unbending justice is satisfied. The law and the prophets have been satisfied. My holy justice has been satisfied. Romans 3 Verse 25 tells us this, whom God sent forth as a propitiation, a satisfaction by his blood through faith to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance, God has passed over sins that were previously committed. In other words, Old Testament saints and sins. Verse 26, to demonstrate at this present time his righteousness that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. You see, when you look at the Scripture, you ask this, the question, why is it? Why is it if on the cross He said it's finished? Why did He have to rise from the dead? If Jesus went into the Holy of Holies and the Father was satisfied and propitiated and it said the Father was righteous to deliver the Son, why is it that He had to rise from the dead? Let me tell you something. If there's anyone in the Bible I would not want to be, it would have been Lazarus. If I was Lazarus to be raised from the dead, I would have said, been there, done that. No thanks. <laughs> I'll stay where... Let me tell you something. My father in glory today, if you give him the choice, would you want to come back? You know what he would say? No. I love you, Tim, but I'll stay right here. Thank you very much. Been there, done that. Got the shirt. <laughs> 
He'd say, no, no, no. Listen, when I'm in glory, don't suck me back. Amen? If I hit this floor, boom, I'm gone. That's okay. Just roll me aside and keep going. Right? The fact is, the question is, then why did you come back? If the payment's done, it's paid in full. He died for our sin. He shed his own blood. And, and he went into the Holy of Holies. And the Father was satisfied. And everything was... Why didn't you right then, right now, just go and be seated at the right hand of the Father? If the work is finished, God bless you. Why didn't you do it then? And he tells us, God bless you because that I might justify many. Do you remember that word justified? Justified means to declare one to be righteous or just. To declare, there's a to declare, to tell someone they are righteous or just. How righteous? A state of purity equal to God's. 2 Corinthians 5.21, He who knew no sin was made sin for us that we might be made the what? Righteousness of whom? Of God. God raised Jesus from the dead as a declaration that he might declare you and I to be justified in a state of purity equal to God to all those who believe. That's what he told us. He said that he might be just and a justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Listen, it was on the cross that Jesus made the payment for our sin. But the resurrection was the receipt that it was paid in full. How did you ever know? If he stayed in heaven, how would you ever know it was actually paid? He would have died like any other man on a cross like any other criminal. He would have died and been gone and been buried. And, and we would just assume, oh yeah, because he said it before he left, it was done. But you see, friends, it wasn't simply enough to die for our sins. He rose from the dead that he might declare you and I who put your faith in Jesus Christ, that you will be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Listen, the debt was paid at the cross, but the resurrection was the receipt that it was paid. Amen? Amen. It's the receipt. The resurrection is your receipt, my receipt. Listen, if I go into a store and I walk out with an item and security says to me, hey, did you pay for that thing? And I reach in my pocket, I pull out a receipt, and I said, yeah, I got a receipt right here. You see, it's, it's paid in full. And by the way, when I took, got this receipt, I noticed the, the one on the cash register, the cashier, his name was Daniel. You know why I like that? Because after I wrote paid and circled, I said, man, I need a receipt. And a day later, I was out at the drugstore and got a receipt. And I was like, oh, there's a receipt. I wrote paid in full, and I saw God showed, look, Daniel. That was three days later I saw that name. Daniel means God is my judge. I was like, that blessed my heart. Because let me tell you something. The resurrection, I say, Jesus rose from the dead. You want to know how I know it's paid in full? I got the receipt. Jesus rose from the dead. Amen? 500 people saw that Jesus rose from the dead. He said there was a receipt that showed it. And you know what's even better? At CVS you get all these coupons. Yeah? Let me tell you something, friends. You get even more with Jesus. Amen? Woo, man, Psalm 103 says, he says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not his benefits. 
who has forgiven you of all iniquity and who has healed you of all your diseases. Can I get an amen? amen. Woo! That's the resurrection. That's better than any $2 off. Amen? Oh, yeah, don't get me going. Don't get me going. Let me tell you something. I am here to tell you that Jesus Christ died on the cross and He paid our sin in full and He went into the heavens and He satisfied the Father at the mercy seat and rather than sit down right then, right there, the Father said, I got one more thing for you to do. And He's like, what's that? Go back there and tell Him. Go back there and tell Him. And you tell them, if anyone will believe and put their faith in me, I will justify them. I will declare them to be righteous, as righteous as I am, because all the sin was condemned in Jesus. And therefore, there is now, therefore, no condemnation to us that are in Christ Jesus. Amen? The thing is, amen, you got to be in Christ Jesus. You're in Christ Jesus. Not next to Christ Jesus. You have to be in Christ Jesus. Not thinking about Christ Jesus. You have to be in Christ Jesus. Not going to religious things about Christ Jesus. You have to be in Jesus. Jesus said to Martha, when Lazarus died, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Not that I'll give you resurrection. I am the resurrection. If you want to be raised from the dead, you better be in me because I'm the resurrection. Not I'm the resurrector. Not, I will give you power to come out of the grave. No, he says, I am the resurrection. I am. If you are in me through faith, when I died, you died. When I rose, you rose. Amen? I'm the resurrection and the faith. And he that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And he that lives and believes in me shall never, what? Die. Do you believe this, Martha? And you know, she said, yes, Lord, I believe there is a future resurrection coming. And you probably thought, that's not what I'm asking. I'm asking, do you believe I am the resurrection? The great I am is the resurrection. The great I am is the life. In Jesus, you and I have resurrection. In Jesus, you and I have life. In Jesus, you and I have sanctification. In Jesus, you and I have healing. In Jesus, you and I have our prosperity. Amen. So don't be afraid to say, in Jesus, we have everything. You know why? Because Jesus is the greatest gift of all. And if God spared not his own son, but delivered him up for our sins, how much more will he freely give you all things in Christ? We've got to get back to believing that. In Christ, he said. Man, that's who we are in Christ, my friend. <laughs> Paid in full, but oh, man. I could use this for wallpaper. <laughs> I got to put it all back together. Maybe you're here today. Maybe you said, you know, I've heard this before. Salvation is not for those who heard it. Salvation is for those who respond by faith. Salvation is for those who say, yeah, I am a sinner. Yeah, I haven't been saved. Yeah, I had it coming to me. But I believe today that Jesus took it on him. He didn't deserve it, but he got it all. Through faith in Christ, I don't deserve it, 
but I get it all. Amen? Why is God gracious to you and I? Because he is faithful to his son. He is faithful to say, yes, son, your sacrifice was sufficient. Yes, son, your sacrifice was once for all and all sin. And now I can declare whosoever will may come and receive Jesus as their Savior. That's what Resurrection Sunday is all about. Eyes closed, heads bowed. Musicians will be coming to close the moment in song. But today, maybe you're here and you say, I'm not sure that I've been saved. I'm not sure that I have eternal life in Christ. I know all these things. I know about him, but I don't have a personal relationship. I'm going to lead in a prayer. They call it a sinner's prayer, but it's a prayer of faith. It's the faith of the righteousness of Christ. If you have not been saved yet, I implore you to pray this in your heart. Not that you're talking to me or anyone, as if you're talking to God himself. Make this your prayer. Heavenly Father, with all my heart, I believe Jesus died for my sin. With all my heart, I know that I deserved the punishment. But I thank you that you were motivated by love to send your son to take my place, to take my sin, to take my shame, to take my condemnation, to take my temptation. Your son was sent for me. And he died for me. And he satisfied your righteous law's demands for me. And he rose from the dead to tell me that if I put faith in what he did, that you will declare me righteous in your eyes. You will declare me forgiven in your eyes. You tell me if I would put my faith in your son and call on your name, you will in no way cast me out, but you'll receive me. Today, with all my heart, I ask Jesus to forgive me and to come into my heart and save me. I believe the gospel of good news. I'm calling out to you, Lord, with my heart to save me. Jesus' name. Eyes are closed, heads are bowed. Maybe you made that your prayer today. Listen, I'm not going to call you up, not going to embarrass you. I just want to encourage you. Maybe that was you. Maybe you're here today. Maybe you know Christ. If you know Christ, you're saved. You say, I know I'm saved. Slip that hand up. I know I'm saved. I know that I have eternal life in Christ. Just slip that hand up. Amen. Amen. Hands. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You put them down. Maybe you're here and you say, you know what? Today, I, you prayed that prayer, Pastor, and I prayed that prayer as well. Today, I gave my life to Jesus. I've never prayed and asked to save me before. I always wondered and doubted, but today I have no doubt because today I put my faith in Jesus. If that's you today, slip that hand and say, just remember me in prayer, Pastor. Today I put my faith in Jesus. Yes, sir, I see that hand. Yes, sir. Others, today's a day. Yes, amen. Today's a day. Father, you know hearts. You see hands, but Lord, you know hearts. <laughs> 
Father, I pray as we go through this celebration Sunday that we would bless you. Bless you. That you delivered up your son for our offenses and you raised him up that you might declare whosoever puts faith in your son is justified in Christ. Bless you, Father. Move. Speak to us as we just celebrate in song. In Jesus' name, we all say amen, amen. Stand with me as we sing. If you're here and you say, you know, I need someone to pray with me. We're folks are going to be here to pray.